Hey guys, what's up? It is week 294, and i let you guys know the Christmas episodes of 22 Shots and Moods and Horse should be up. Speaking of that, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Uh, this will probably go up after Christmas. Uh, also, you know, not for the patrons, but and then also, you know, we did like the Italian Horror Month. We finished that up. So, uh, yeah, let's hop into the reviews. There's a bunch of them, a lot of 2022 movies I'm trying to catch up. I wanted 100. I don't think I'll get there. I'll at least hit 75. So, the first up is a doozy, and uh, yeah, this is from 88 Films, and this is a 4K, and I was really happy with this release, to be honest. So, you know, I'm not the biggest Jackie Chan, not 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 that I'm not a fan, I just don't know everything about Jackie Chan, you know, I know a lot of his Americanized stuff that came over, and I've seen a couple, well, you know, see Jackie Chan in a couple movies, and I've always liked him, I thought he was very charming, but as far as this, like, uh, Hong Kong output, I'm not super familiar with this, but this release does a lot of information about it and tells you a lot of things about it, so that's, that's very helpful. So this is Dragons Forever on 4K, a deluxe edition, freaking awesome. This also has Sammo Hung in it. I know Sammo Hung, you know, from his kind of horror movie output, Encounters of the Spooky Kind. He also pops up in the um, the Strange Australian-like Kung Fu one. I can't remember what it was by, um, geez, who's that uh, director who did all the Australian films? Gee, he's done a bunch of stuff. He did Escape 2000. He's, he's Brian Treacher Smith. There we go. It also has George um, Hamill. What, George fucking Lazenby. That's who's in it, is the bad guy. So yeah, that one, I can't remember. He's in that. Samo Hong is, you know, a star. he does this, like a lot of fight choreographing. He's also an actor. He's in a slew of stuff, a filmmaker. Jackie Chan, also a huge kind of like kind of semi-comedic uh, martial artist. Does a lot of his own stunts. I mean, everybody should know who Jackie Chan is. There's also a lot of other familiar faces in this film that um, are very popular in the martial arts scene and that this kind of like a Hong Kong cinema. So basically the plot of this one, it, it's kind of like really fun and lighthearted in a lot of ways. Uh, Jackie Chan is this badass lawyer and a lot of times he defends like kind of shitty corporations, shitty companies, and but he tends to kind of always kind of stand up and try to do the right thing a lot of ways. So basically, he's hired to defend this really shitty like uh, I, I uh, like uh, factory that's polluting the nearby like uh, fishing like uh, uh, ponds and, and lakes and all that stuff where there's a you know uh, like a um, fish like place. Uh, I can't think of what's the word I'm looking for. I don't want to say a cannery, but it's kind of in that way you know, and it's kind of polluting this area. But the thing is, these people won't like sell out so they hire their own lawyers and this creates this like turmoil now jackie chan in this is like a big ladies man so he's always trying to flirt and pick up the women it's, it's really comical really funny and he ends up trying to like uh you know date the uh defense uh, well the you know prosecutor the, the, the attorney he's going against so basically i wouldn't say prosecutor defense but he's not really like that kind of they're, they're suing and like all this kind of stuff like that for like pollution and and whatnot so the problem is the people that run this other factory are mobsters. They're evil. They have a whole bunch of shit going on underneath, and they're just not going to take no for an answer. So uh, Samuel Hong is a friend of Jackie Chan's, along with another famous martial artist. And these three were in a bunch of movies together, and I guess they're kind of like famous, and they have like a following. This is one of the, um, not one of the first, I believe this is one of the latter ones, if I'm not mistaken. So basically, all three of these kind of get in like this comedy of errors where they all end up fighting a lot with each other, and it's really well choreographed. It's absolutely hilarious, and seeing these three do a lot of this work is just great. Samo Hung also gets involved with um, someone in here that is related directly to the attorney, basically the lady who runs the oil, the fish place. So it gets really complicated, really funny, a lot of like, you know, almost like... 
I mean, say like a slapstick humor within the martial arts. But when they actually have to fight the baddies and the martial arts happens, it's excellent. Um, some of the bad guys in this movie are great. The main bad guy is like a, a cigar chomping asshole, and he's really like slick and sly how he moves, and you really don't expect him to throw down. But when he gets to the end of the movie, he has his own style, and it's really like a, a really a cheat thing. And this whole movie feels a lot like a '90s style like video game that you would rent, and and it's got a great great tone. I think it's really fun. It's really lighthearted. It's it, the love story's good. Um, yeah, and, and the hits. And people seem like they really get fucked up. There's one actor in here who's actually like a world champion fighter, and he plays like the drug chemist. He is excellent in here. He's so creepy. And like, there's this parts in this where they do like things in uh, martial arts movies. They don't typically do in a lot of other ones. Like when guys are fighting and they like hit like the wall, and you can tell like they hit their lower back. They're like. Mm. Just like those little touches that make the hits seem like they land way harder than they do. Like you can tell people are legitimately getting fucked up here. That's what it feels like. So it, it, it hits hard and it feels real, but it also has a lighthearted good nature about it. And just is generally a really excellent fun watch. I loved it. So as far as the special features are concerned, there's a freaking lot of them. So um, you can watch the, the Japanese version, the Hong Kong version, and the international version. So you have three versions all in freaking um, 4K here. Uh, see, so this one, the 98-minute version here is produced exclusively for the Japanese market. This Cantonese language cut includes two extra scenes and an ending without takes. You see what I mean? So there's all that. you got Dolby Atmos sound, which sounds excellent. Um, and like I said, all of them are in the 4K. So you got the two 94-minute versions, and then you have, of course, the 98-minute version. As far as the special features are concerned... You have a slew of audio commentaries, including ones with Mike uh, Leader and Arnie Vimona. And Mike Leader worked with a lot of these people. He has a lot of information about the subject. Um, we have Elite Stuntman interview with Chin Kar Lok, Riding for the Dragons interview with uh, Setu Chek Hong, Benny Forever interview with Benny the Jet Yurnukwidis. Uh, and this guy was one of the, like, he was a drug chemist and he was like a world, like, famous martial artist and had bumped hands and bumped heads with a bunch, not bumped heads, but like had gray shoulders and stuff and fought a lot of the best. And his story is really interesting and he seems very cool. Discussing Dragons Forever, interview with David Dresser, Hong Kong Cinema Forever, interview with Michael Leader, uh, working with the Dragons, interview with Jude Poyer, the legacy of Dragons Forever, feature up with today's actors in martial arts, including Troy Samford, Chris Jones, Ross Boisk, Maria Tran, Mike Leader, John Paul, um, what is it, John Paul Lee, Mark Strange, Mike Mueller, George Clark, Jude Poyer, and Steve Lawson. Double Jeopardy interview with Brad Allen, Beyond Gravity interview with Joe Ego, Tiebreaker, an interview with Billy Chow. Kickfighter, an interview with Andy Chen. Outtakes and behind the scenes, English trailer, Hong Kong trailer, music video, music video, Cantonese and the English. Additional Cantonese language, double-sided artwork featuring new Sean Logmore and original Hong Kong poster. Not to mention this beautiful um, hard box and also a booklet that is 88 freaking pages long. Um, this thing, this whole release will keep you busy for days. Lots of great information about Jackie and Samo Hong and all the other people involved with it. And it's nice because they actually have people that were involved with the movie that knew these people. So like when they go to talk to them, they have like something to say. They actually have firsthand experience with everyone on the movie and they're experts at the same time. So that's like a plus, you know, because anybody can just be a talking head and not know really anything about the subject. But it's just a bunch of educated people that have like that know them or met them. So it's really interesting in that aspect, too. This movie is really fun. Now, I'm a novice when it comes to this stuff, but I've never really seen a Hong Kong movie I haven't enjoyed, and Dragons Forever is an excellent release from 88 Films. The next one here is from Arrow Films, and this is The Dunwich Whore from 1970, starring Dean Stockwell and Ed Bagley Sr. Now, I actually covered this one for 1970 when we did the run through 1970, and this is uh, one of the first uh, adaptations of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. I mean, The Haunted Palace and Die Monster Die are there, 
but uh, this one it's pretty close. I mean, not close, but closer than a lot of the other adaptations you'll see of Lovecraft. Um, the first thing that always takes me back on this movie is how excellent the score is, and it's so excellent they actually have somebody on here. Um, where is it? Uh, after. Um Jeez, I'm sorry, I want to make sure. The Sound of Cosmic Terror, new interview with music historian Dave Huckvale, in which he takes a closer look at Les Baxter's score for The Dumb Chore. This guy talks about Les Baxter's entire career uh, and like brushes over who he's famous for, and then plays the song and breaks it down and uses the scenes in the films and switches. This guy has to be a college professor. He is so smart. But that was really interesting to hear and see. Um, but anyways, getting into the movie, essentially this is kind of the uh, Dunwich Horror story where we have somebody who's after the Necronomicon. They want to raise, you know, basically sacrifice and open the gate with Yogg Sock Hat. So they actually have like actual Lovecraft references. It feels like Lovecraft down to like the creepy villagers and everything like that. The dumb-witted villagers, um, the cosmic horror, the unknown, the, the, the book that just fear the science aspect. It's a, it's a really really solid movie and for 1970 I think it's ahead of its time but you still have that crossover light 60s kind of hippy dippy stuff and a lot of these weird flashes psychedelic kind of stuff mixed in which adds the element of its time so uh, Dean Stockwell classic actor and stuff like Quantum Leap and of course Blue Velvet and uh, he's in a lot of films he's really good in this and he plays Orville I can't remember their last names what are their last names the Dunwich people basically uh, Wheatley it's Wilbur Wheatley the Wheatleys and anything this is really solid Lovecraft story um, there's also some uh historian on here that knows quite a bit about Lovecraft and uh, After Summer After Winter a new interview with science fiction and fantasy writer um, Ruth Ruthana Emrys and she goes uh, author of the Innsmouth Legacy series and she goes over who Lovecraft was and why he's interesting and at the time they talk about how his output you know he didn't seem like he was going to be the guy that was remembered by his contemporaries but here we are that's also very interesting and then on top of that we also have new audio commentary by Guy Adams Alexander Benedict created the audio drama Arkham County The Door into Dunwich a new conversation between film historian Steven R. Bessett and horror author Stephen Laws in which they discussed the Dunwich Horror Lovecraft and their memories seeing the film on release and this is pretty long so um, it looks great and sounds great this was originally released by um, Shout Factory Screen Factory on a double feature it's out of print now and I'm going to probably venture to say that this being a newer release it probably looks a lot better because it's a new 2K scan from the original negative which I don't think Screen Factory did if you've never seen the Dunwich Horror it's kind of like one of the I, I don't know if it made it did make my top 10 of 1970 but it's a really solid movie and one of the more important films of 1970 considering that you know it's one of these early Lovecraft adaptations that I think does a pretty damn good job of it good atmosphere good colors good music and the music the music is the highlight it's excellent so check it out the Dunwich Horror from Arrow Video okay now we're going to have a slew of 2022 movies here so uh, the first one up is going to be Men and this is actually by the director of Ex Machina and Annihilation now I'm not the hugest fan of Ex Machina you guys have heard me complain about it a bit and Men is a really solid horror film and I'm just like um, it's a trauma based horror film I know that's been very common lately especially with the A24 crowd, A24 kind of horror films. So the director always had a good eye. His movies always look visually amazing. There's no doubt how Ex Machina is shot wonderfully. Um, and his, his movies are always cast really well, acted really well. So Men, this is a strange story about this woman who um, had uh, her husband committed suicide. She's kind of going on vacation to be isolated. She goes to this small little village kind of in the middle of nowhere. And, and pretty quick, every man there is played by the same actor, but he's obviously different. He's a cop. He's a young kid. He's a priest. He's the guy who he gives her the house and everything like that. And right away, it's just a little unsettling. There's a little hints of, you know, uh, toxic 
toxic traits in these people. And it's really fucking strange. LA, you could look at it in a lot of metaphorical ways at the end, like giving birth and like birthing and just birthing the guilt, whatever you want to put it. You know, I'm not the smartest guy ever, and this is a one-time watch, but you could really start to dig in and look at that. But I will say this movie does have one of my favorite scenes of the year. I think it's one of the generally great scares of the year and just a really well-set-up scene, um, well done. So basically our lead actress, our lead character goes into this kind of big tunnel. She's by herself. She's been going for a walk to get some, you know, like clear her head, whatever. And she she's in this tunnel, so she's just like, you know how you do, you know, just kind of have some fun. You scream, you hear an echo, ah, like that, and it does ah, and like the the um, reverb comes back, and she starts doing it more. And basically, what happens is you have ah 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 ah, and it becomes like the score of the film, and it like leads into one of the most terrifying scores, like scares in the movie, where like a character at the very end of the tunnel stands up, and it seems like they were sleeping in there, they're not wearing clothes, and it's just like you get just a silhouette of them with that ah 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 ah, and they use that in the trailer. And that score comes back, and it's just a really good motif in the film, and it's just kind of scary, you know, that it could even suggest that, you know, you're you're creating your own nightmare world by doing that, and it's just a really awesome idea. And I love when they incorporate real-life sounds into a score. If you look at something like Let's Sleeping Corpses Lie, the story that Jorge Grau told about his dying father releasing the air from his body when um, he was in a hospital bed, how they incorporated that in the film. That's kind of like, I, I just a nice little touch there. That's something that you don't ever see really that much, and it's that little detail adds a, a really good element to this film and I thought that was quite quite good um, there's some nasty bits in here it's a pretty fucked up stuff but yeah it, it's a pretty crazy film it definitely would um, get better on rewatch I think um, but yeah I will definitely rewatch this one and I'm glad I have it in my collection okay the next 2022 movie here is technically a 2021 but it got a wide release in 2022 this is 8 for Silver aka The Cursed and this is a period piece here and it opens up in like World War One. so I was like oh man that's really cool 19 like something I can't remember but World War One's going on we see the trench warfare and this character's put on like the slab they're pulling bullets out of them and then they reach out and they pull something that doesn't really belong there we kind of fast forward i think like 30 years previous so we're kind of again in a different period here and uh yeah so this one right here i thought it was really great um it's very reminiscent of brotherhood of the wolf if anybody's seen that uh, the french film which i think is a great film a uh, really solid beautiful film uh so basically it's kind of in that vein and i've seen some negative reviews people saying not what i expected boring bad cgi and this movie shot on film it's poorly shot. I'm just like, um, yeah. People are making fun of the budget saying, oh, they spent all their money on a fog machine. I was like, I think this movie looks gorgeous. It's shot on film. Maybe people are no longer used to how film looks, but we got stuff like Bones and all. We have a couple, you know, like, dirty looking ones like 16 millimeter on Christmas bloody Christmas so like we're seeing these movies being shot on film and like you guys should really appreciate them I do at least because I think they look fantastic I thought this movie looked really great um, being a period piece too was, was a brush of breath there being a monster movie period piece in a world of like I love those like trauma movies don't get me wrong I love the goofy movies that are coming out I love all different kinds of horror but it was refreshing to see a very serious take at a monster movie a very mean spirited period piece horror monster film so I was very excited to watch the cursed so i'm putting and i really enjoyed it so we get the flashback and we kind of obviously have this curse going on we have these romas i guess you call them romas nowadays if i'm not mistaken and they are living on this land there's a lot of the rich people that are around here and they want the land of course and you know how this turns out for the minorities usually you know native americans whatever um there is a slaughter and uh, a really brutal slaughter and they the people that have this they have these metal, these metal silver teeth of course and we have this person that's turned into the scarecrow to be shown a lesson and it's really gnarly because this scarecrow Freddy Krueger's up the entire village everyone starts to have these nightmares especially the children all this kind of stuff anyways somebody ends up getting a hold of these metal teeth with these sharp fangs and they bite somebody 
and that turns them into some sort of creature. Now, I would say werewolf story it is, but there is this kind of unfolds into something that even looks like thing territory at one point, which is really gnarly. And we have like this kind of like a pathologist that's going around trying to figure it out while he understands that this family is hiding more and there's more dark secrets and everything like that. And there's a big kind of like massacre climax at the very end, which I thought was really great. There's great visuals, there's great acting, there's just a really solid story here. Uh, and yes, our character does have trauma. He does have loss, but that's not what the general you know thing is. I mean, I, it is, but it isn't. I mean, it's a driving course of this character, but there's so much more in here. I thought the curse was great. I think it's a great movie. I think it's one of the best of the year, to be honest. And I think it's refreshingly different from a lot of the stuff we've been seeing. You know, we had like Antlers last year that was kind of a monster film in the, in the same sense. But I feel like this one's just a little bit more successful at that, you know, personally. And I like the period piece. If you're a fan of Brotherhood of the Wolf or something like that, which I am, give this one a shot. I don't think you'll be disappointed in The Cursed or Eight for Silver. Great stuff. Okay, this one is released by Utopia, and this is a bizarre 2022 movie here. This is, um, we're all going to the World's Fair. Technically, this would be a 2021 movie as well. And this actually stars the younger sister from Bones and All. I recognized her, and I was like, what's she in? And you look her up, and it's like, those are the two movies she's in. So I don't know how to go about um, we're all going to the World's Fair. Uh, this is a strange film. Boy, oh boy, how do I go about this? And this is one of these things, like, is this a horror film? Is this one of these movies that goes far enough into where it's going, or does it leave you wanting more? Now, it, I would say it's in the vein of something like Murder, Death, Koreatown, or Broadcast, Signal, Intrusion, which are these bizarre kind of like almost like weird mysteries where you dig deeper and you're getting elements of showing everything. But this one's more low budget. It doesn't, I don't think it goes as horror as those movies. And I think those movies are better, actually. I think those movies are a little bit stronger than this one. Not that this is a poorly made film or anything. I did enjoy it. And the way it's handled is pretty unique. Um, so, and it was also helpful to hear the director uh, be interviewed and have this long conversation about their work and everything thing and have all this kind of stuff discussed about it and like kind of like the trans experience and all this kind of different stuff that incorporates in the film somewhat to a certain extent you know what I mean uh, the identity all that kind of stuff in here so we have this young girl who's playing this uh, World's Fair game and this World's Fair game is kind of like this internet challenge where people play it and it's a horror video game and it's supposed to be your body starts to change and there's a lot of internet videos that people put up and it's almost like I don't want to say it's brain scan right that's another internet horror movie game or horror game that kind of does crazy things but this is different this hat follows this idea where we have this young girl communicating with this older man which is very unsettling in a lot of ways and we we focus on these two kind of characters while we have snippets of other people going through this kind of weird weird kind of uh like change um it's kind of bizarre there's really creepy scenes it's made on a budget but there's times when it gets under your skin and there's just like a lot of cringe uncomfortability about it which i think works to it you know parts where she says i'm gonna walk around my high school today and she's just walking around a graveyard it's just unsettling and weird and just the idea of mental illness and um you know that kind of like not taking it seriously and how far you can go in your fantasy worlds you know it's interesting it is very interesting especially now that people have you know a lot of these online games and all these other things that they partake in and you know as a society we're being more connected every time but we're being we're losing connectivity as individuals you know not being around people just being around them in general so it's just it's a nice movie to look at in that aspect and it's interesting uh we're all going to the world's fair i think you could do worse i think it is an interesting film and i think it's pretty good okay the next one up i watched on shutter and this is deadstream now 
I know someone picked us for a Patreon pick, so if you're drawn out for Deadstream, I'll contact you, and you can just give me another pick right on the spot, if that sounds good. So basically, Deadstream. Um, now, I tried to watch this uh, right when it dropped, and I just couldn't get into it. Now everyone's like, now like, ah, oh, the character, it's kind of Evil Dead, it's a found footage kind of style movie. It's more like an internet stream kind of video of this character that's really, up. He's, a, he's obnoxious as hell, but there's a million people like him. He's very realistic. He's also the director. He's the main star of it. So basically, he's this obnoxious guy that did something wrong, and he's trying to like make up for it and go into like he does these fear things with stuff he's scared of and he kind of hears like this whole story about this haunted house so he goes there and he's going to lock himself in and experience and he, he like throughout the movie he's telling his whole story of the house and everything like that while this is happening we're also getting his backstory on kind of what happened we kind of get a glimpse of why he was cancelled essentially and all this kind of stuff and we start to have him have some more character development he goes from one of the most annoying unlikable people to you know somebody that you can kind of root for in this situation now it's being compared to like an Evil Dead 2 style and the humor and the gore and it is there you know it does take a while to pick up on that stuff and there's some generally creepy stuff the guy is very obnoxious at first and when I first tried to watch this I was like I don't know if I can get behind this I don't know if I can you know adjust enough to enjoy watching this character in a feature length film but after a while I got used to it and I kind of just let myself go be taken over by the movie and I really enjoyed it there's some fun moments there's some nice little scares and the backstory of the haunted house is really well done how it basically invades the actual modern world where he's at and stuff like that and it just unfolds nice it's a cute little story with uh gory fun just you could do a lot worse on this one i would recommend it uh it is deadstream it is on shutter okay the next one is super bizarre and this is flux gourmet by peter strickland now i covered um duke of burgundy just a week ago or two weeks ago another peter strickland film i've covered um in fabric on here and i've talked about barbarian sound studio before i believe i have seen that film he is a very strange director he's a very bizarre director and i never really understand his films fully uh, uh flux gourmet is uh i would put it closer to barbarian sound studio of his films where you're kind of watching this film it's listed as like a horror comedy and you're like it's comedy horror but you're like is it really even a horror film what kind of where do you categorize this kind of stuff right there's so many films that are impossible to categorize where no other genre would have that and I kind of put that here too. So we basically follow this journalist who's kind of like needs to eat. So he's basically, he's documenting this group of, I don't even know how to put it. They're these experimental foodies that kind of do this performance art where they take food and incorporate music and sounds and do all these weird things on stage. Now it's a progressive, like progressive thing where it kind of gets weirder and weirder and weirder as it goes on. And it's, it's just a lot of artsy fartsy types. So um, yeah, basically he's here and he's like kind of documenting it, but we also have his it's like voiceover in Greek talking about his asset, his as basically his stomach problems. You know, he has gas, he has stomach aches, and he's basically it's a horror show of him trying not to fart in front of these people or pass gas. And we also follow the story of these three people, four people that are basically doing this a producer and then the three kind of people that make the thing. And at the same time, there's a group of people that are sabotaging the whole environment that are kind of like a different troop of these kind of people, the mangrove snacks or something like that. And they're kind of like trying to like sabotage everything. So it's a bizarre film and an hour and 51 minute runtime it does kind of wear out its welcome but there is some comedy beats there's good um it's well shot it's well it's a sound design is very good obviously it's kind of in the vein of barbarian sound studio there's nothing really wrong technically about the film it's or anything it's on paper i mean it's it's acted well it's shot well sound stuff is good um and i did enjoy it for the most part it's just like a lot of times i watch his films and you know not every movie needs a hard-hitting point but i find myself walking away kind of scratching my head and not really fully grasping what the hell that was about or what the hell was a reasoning behind it and um duke of burgundy i kind of get in a lot of ways better i mean some of it i guess but this one i 
I felt a little lost and I enjoyed it and I don't hate it. But at the same time, like for what it is, the runtime and everything, my enjoyment, do I revisit it? Maybe I'll get something else out of it, but the runtime kind of shies me away from it. But if you like Peter Strickland, if you like bizarre films, if you like kind of absurd comedy and just like subtle, funny things that are just petty, a lot of pettiness amongst these artsy fartsy types. Um, and it's funny, it's artsy fartsy. And there's one character that suffers from a lot of farts. So you can kind of see that in this movie. It's on shutter. Check it out. I did enjoy my time with it, but I don't know if I'll be revisiting and it probably won't be making my top 10. Okay, the next one up I've been hearing quite a bit about, and this is on Shudder as well, and this is Watcher. Now, Watcher, I believe, stars the lead from It Follows, which I really like her, and I hadn't seen her in quite some time. I'm sure she's been busy, but I didn't register. I didn't recognize her right away, but uh, this one I did. Um, hell, I'm probably wrong. It's not even her, but I'm just pretty sure it is. So, Watcher, this basically follows the story of uh, this this married couple, and the husband gets a job in Romania. His family was originally from Romania. His mom was, so he speaks Romanian and brings his wife along, and right away, like, there's a language barrier between her and the people and it's just kind of like she's uncomfortable she's kind of feels I, you, you definitely feel for you, you definitely feel some you know resentment or turmoil within the relationship because of this the husband is actually from Gaspar Noe's Love and so I recognized him right away as well he's a couple other films both the both the performances from the lead the married couple is pretty solid so almost right off the bat she notices kind of across the, the way there's somebody watching her and she's a little unnerved by it but hey it's just one night and as it goes on, you know, she goes to the movie theater and she sees somebody around her, the grocery store. She starts to tell her husband. And uh, in a long line of films this year that, you know, no one believes the woman. The woman is kind of just like ignored, toxic masculinity traits. It's definitely here. So uh, she tells everyone. At the same time, there's a serial killer going around called the spider that is almost uh, slitting throats that is basically almost decapitating people. It's very unpleasant. Um, she basically, the only solace she has is a, is a neighbor that is like a part-time stripper that she becomes friends with that she kind of hangs around. Uh, but that's basically it and, and as she progresses she obviously gets more distraught she picks up smoking again until the final climax and, and like basically that starts off the, the final act and a really great scene on a subway not quite as good as the subway scene in the sadness how that character turns you know from creepy old man into drooling fucking sex maniac that was a brilliant scene but this it's decent here and I thought not decent it's good it's really good and really a lot of intensity here the acting from our, our creep in this movie is really solid or the watcher if you will this is a good movie this is a good more thriller than horror in the same vein as something like Midnight or, you know, that kind of vein that came out this year. But really strong film on Shudder. Definitely worth watching. I really I really liked it. Good acting all around. Love the location. Love the idea of, you know, that language barrier. So it kind of isolates you even furthermore. And, it's in, you know, the, obviously the woman people are thinking are losing their mind. We've seen this a lot, but this one's a good one. Okay, the next one is a doozy. And this is on Screenbox. And I don't know how to go about this. This was kind of like a last minute decision to watch. And it's called All Jacked Up and Full of Worms. And the title alone, I was like, this might be something I like in the vein of a cat sick blues or bag boy lover boy or greasy strangler or are we not cats? Just those bizarre indies that are just uncomfortable and strange and you feel like this is made by a crazy person. This might be made by an actual psycho. And no offense to them, those are the best filmmakers to me and they're probably all perfectly normal, great people. But okay, all jacked up and full of worms. Boy, oh boy. Short runtime, 71 minutes. And this is kind of a movie where we follow a couple very bizarre characters and Benny and Roscoe are kind of the main two but uh, I can't remember which one's which Benny is this oh, kind of this strange guy um, and he basically gets this uh, this sex baby doll delivered to his house and he has this speech about I never used to fuck around with queers and that he's popping up and every time it pops up it's really hilarious and uncomfortable and funny so basically one day he visits this prostitute and it's a really uncomfortable weird kind of sad scene where he doesn't sleep with her she offers him worms and these worms are supposed to be like 
psychedelics and trippy and change you and make you go crazy. Now, there's also an old man on the television, and he's talking about these worms and worms attacking him and how he changed, all this kind of weird stuff. And this guy is directly related to the prostitute in ways that we learn later on. And we have a slew of like these kind of two serial killers that are going around, these kind of crazy degenerates, the Clown King and his girlfriend, I guess real-life Harley Quinn and Joker, if you will. And they're killing people and committing all these crimes. Well, they're also using worms. So Roscoe is a character that is basically on a really in a really rough relationship uh, and he's kind of an I don't want to say love triangle but basically he's uh, you know he's just being thrown aside by his his girlfriend who's into this weird kind of like like hippy dippy kind of stuff so like of course Roscoe and Benny are going to cross paths they're going to use the worms they're going to have a weird wild experience that starts off as um, whimsical and scary but ends up horrific and violent and that's kind of what I'll say about it there's a lot of characters that come in and out there's a lot of funny scenes there's a lot of really sad scenes that are funny because they're so sad and vice versa sad and funny scenes they, it works really well so all jacked up and full of worms is totally up my alley it's totally something that i would enjoy there's a lot of sex there's a decent amount of nudity and it's filled with a bunch of actors that are not your typical leading people and i love that they look like real people and they're just different and unique and everybody does a great job especially roscoe and benny i think they're tremendous in here i, I really thought that benny um the heavy set guy was charming he was really a charming uh performance even though he's a creep in there you can i'm, I'm a guy and i get a dick and you could fuck anything with it it's just so weird and so bizarre like i really quite enjoyed this film but i don't know how to go about it any more than just saying it's weird it's trippy it's bizarre and it's just it's bonkers and i love it so it's good stuff Okay, the next one up is The Innocence, another Shutter uh, exclusive on here. And I believe this is a Scandinavian film. Correct me if I'm wrong. So basically, this is uh, really uh, a really strong film. This movie has one of the most disturbing... It's the most disturbing scene I've seen this year. It bothered me. Made me sick. And it was one of those points where the scene was actually so bothersome that you're like, do I even like this movie? Do I even want to continue watching it? I just kind of want to turn it off and be over with it. But that's that's like a powerful scene, right? So you got to stick with it. you, you got to give the movie props in general. And sometimes it's hard to overcome those kind of scenes, right? And you're just, you almost drought. You're like, I might be out of here. I might not be able to finish this. So essentially what we have here is we have a, a family of four that live in this apartment complex. We have a mother, father, very loving, very, you know, they try their best. They have two daughters, one of which who has some sort of uh, mind disease, degenerative disease where she can't communicate very well. I would say autistic on the major, majorly autistic and the other sister. You know, she seems to have like this weird kind of mean side to her originally, you know, where she does things and, and like... And Eventually, she does learn through others the, the cruelty of her ways and realizes how wrong she is. But one day, she's kind of out and playing, and she meets this young boy. And this young boy has a dark side to him, of course. And she realizes that this boy has some powers. He can move things with his mind, slightly. And there's another little girl in the apartment complex. And as, as all four of these characters start to get together their powers start to complement each other. They start to get more powerful. And our autistic girl starts to come out of her shell. But um, one of the kids has some real mental problems, you see. He has not had a good home life. He's not had a good, you know, life amongst bullies. And as it goes deeper, he starts to register his powers are stronger than that. And tragedy is going to happen. Murder is going to happen. Violence is going to happen. And there's going to be standoffs. There's going to be tragedy. There's going to be darkness. There's going to be, you know, some nasty bits in here. The Innocence is a really good movie. It's really solid. It's really well acted. It's it's one of those movies kind of like Bright Side or Chronicle, I imagine, which I've not had a chance to see, but Bright, Bright Burn, Bright Burn, where the kid has the powers. And that's absolutely terrifying. Or Village of the Damned is the classic one, right? Where when someone young, although Village of the Damned is more of an alien style story, but when someone's young, and they are naive and they do not understand what they're doing, the consequences of something like this. It's entirely horrifying. 
and the, to give someone that young that power. So like it, it evolves and gets creepy, and it has some really messed up stuff in here, but The Innocent's a great film. I really recommend you check it out on Shudder. The next one here is Bodies, 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 and I rented this, and it's from A24, and a little bit different from A24, so this has Pete Davidson in here, and some other familiar faces, everybody in here. Uh, Lee Pace is really solid. So essentially what we have here is... Um, we have this small get together of like six or seven people, and they're all super rich. Pete Davidson's super rich, and it's at his house. He's a complete dick. Lee Pace is there. He's a little older than everybody. He's dating one of the girls, and essentially what happens is, you know, they want to play this game called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. As young people, we used to play this game called Scream or Stab, and essentially everybody draws cards, and if you get the ace, you're the killer or the king, whichever it is, and you got to go around and secretly kill everyone. And when you're dead, you can't talk. Now this is a game we used to play, and obviously it was a universal game because Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is playing that as well so what happens is uh pretty quickly there's a lot of you know there's like resentment towards each other there's a lot of like badgering and bickering and all this kind of stuff back and forth um and like the main characters are a lesbian couple that just showed up and they've just been recently dating for a few months but what unfolds is some pretty twisted stuff when somebody ends up dead now, right away, um, they have a lot of toxic traits, these characters, and a lot of, like, resentment, so they start pointing fingers at each other, they start coming up with these scenarios, and, you know, it's called bodies, 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 so there's going to be some more bodies that end up piling up. Now, I would call this kind of like, um, uh, you know, the generation, what is it, is it Z now, are we on Generation Z, uh, basically Clue. That's kind of what it is in a lot of ways, but more more dark, I guess, and more violent. Um, I thought it looked great on for the 4K rental. The sound was great. There's a lot of loud music and stuff that comes through the surround sound. Pretty pretty excellent. There's a lot of good gags. There's a lot of good dialogue. It's just fun. It's just a fun little time that I think most people get a kick out of. I know a lot of people complain about Pete Davidson. I thought he was a perfect prick. I thought he was an asshole. And Lee Pace, is, Lee Pace kind of steals the show. And so does, um, I can't think of the one actress, but she's great in it too. The one with the necklace where she dates Lee Pace. Everybody it's really solid in it and everybody it works really well i enjoy this one i would put this with sissy i think this and sissy have a lot of similarities so if you like this and i think you'll enjoy sissy as well bodies 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 good stuff okay the patreon pick this time around is it chris rivers on here i believe it is and it's my uh my friend Godfrey. Um, yeah, so this one, oh, my man Godfrey. Sorry about that. It's my man Godfrey. This is like a 30s, 40s style comedy. Uh, again, kind of something I'm not super familiar with, but in general, um, definitely something I could dig or learn to love because I like any, most old movies. I find some like good stuff in it. So essentially what we have here is um, this rich uh, couple, these rich uh, brother and sister and somebody else kind of approach this homeless man right in the beginning of the film. And uh, he has sharp, like, uh, biting biting uh, wit, if that makes any sense. And, and those are the kind of characters, you know, in the 30s and 40s that I really generally like, like a Humphrey Bogart who's just so sharp with all his comebacks. They're just perfect. Or even like a... Uh, um, uh, Clark, it's not Clark Gable. Is um, geez, I can't think of uh, you know Arsenic and Old Lace. These actors that just have such a great like uh, you know back and forth and, and quick wit about them. And this guy does. Uh, it, it's wonderful. So they basically need him for a scavenger hunt, which is just really disgusting if you look at it that way. Rich people exploiting homeless people. They need a forgotten man. So he ends up saying yes to the forgotten man thing, basically just to get back at somebody who tried to ask him earlier, the sister, just to be a, a dick. So anyways, after that, you know uh, this sister kind of likes him she's very bizarre very eccentric wants him as a job as a new butler now like her family is completely all over the place we have the father who's the most sane but he's very frustrated with his family spending the money we have the wife who's completely delusional and she basically has a protege which seems like a lover and this strange like artist guy who's just like kind of leeching off them then we have the older sister who's very mean and entitled and all this kind of stuff then we have the younger sister who falls more in the line of the mother who is in love with this older man godfrey who is a homeless guy and 
then we have Godfrey, who, you know, and the maid in there as well, interacting with all these people and learning. But what we f- we start to learn right away is Godfrey's way too educated. He's just uh, not saying a homeless person can't be educated or, or a poor person can't be educated, but he obviously has some more, uh, you know, history that he's leading on. And as it goes on, we learn more about him as he runs into an old friend that was there. And it goes on and on and on. And of course, it's, it's going to be a cutesy, happy love story that has a lot of comedy in here, a lot of centric characters. And it's just very enjoyable. I, I don't think most people would dislike this. I think most people would enjoy it. They get a lot of laughs out of it, of the strange, kind of absurd characters and the weird things and the, the dialogue and how they unfold and the humor. It's really well done. It's And the acting is solid, too. I liked all the characters. I thought they were all really well done. And there's stuff that they, like, you want, you worry that something really annoying is going to happen, but then they don't do it. And you're just like, thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks. You you worry that Godfrey's going to be, you know, wrongfully represented to, you know, the police or something, and it doesn't happen that way. And I was very grateful for that. But anyways, my man, Godfrey, really enjoyed this one very funny very entertaining stuff i would recommend i believe it is on criterion so check it out yeah i think you guys will enjoy it okay let's get into these questions comments concerns all that good stuff uh bill peterson jeremy must have drank a pot of coffee before filming that he's talking about the rock and roll review yeah i was super tired on that one uh kentucky kentuckinator amazon is starting to piss me off too i hope you get the problem resolved merry christmas mr parka thank you and i did not i basically had to go through my bank and i still haven't got a refund it is what it is. Fuck you, Amazon. Uh, you and your horror movies. Drug Traffic was a great nod to the 1981 movie Mystic and Valleys. They do the Indonesian uh, pedagogue, which is a vampire with a floating head and guts hanging out. Very cool. I know Mystics and Valley. I don't think I ever watched it, though. I have the DVD. Ken Coakley. I liked Rock and Roll. It seemed like a clean counterpart to Heavy Metal. It's been a while since I've seen Rock and Roll, but I remember during the Battle of the Band sequence, one of the bands was a bunch of guys dressed like David Bowie during his Ziggy Stardust years, walking off the uh, MC saying, Thanks, guys. I, I, too, like the sound of Cat's Boiling Water, which I, too, uh, which I took as a swipe at Yoko Ono. I also noticed that most of the characters look like their real-life counterparts. Angel was a beautiful, slender woman with blondy hair, like with blonde hair like Debbie Harry. The drummer was the hefty and wore glasses like drummer Bun E. Carlos. And the real-life Carlos had short hair, but I think the man Bun was to play on the name, and the guitarist was a tall, skinny guy who wore a ball cap with a with Bill flipped up by guitarist Rick Nielsen. The Cheap Trick song in the film, Born to Raise Hell, is hard to find on YouTube. They had another song out at around the same time called Gonna Raise Hell that people mistook for the other one. They also did a song uh, for heavy metal called Reach Out. These songs came out uh, at the time when vocalist Robin Zender changed his vocal style. When their big hits Surrender and I Want You to Want Me ran their chorus, Cheap Trick was branded as a wimp rock band. Kenny Loggins, Journey, Little River Band, and other acts who... Um, have newfound listeners today had to carry that mark of Kane until now. Uh, Paul Lamott from American Graffiti, Death Valley, and uh, Aloha, Bobby, and Rose did the voice of Omar. Susan Roman, Ro, Roman and the Rabbit, uh, from Rabbit and Catherine O'Hara from Home Alone all provided voices for the film. Yeah, I saw the Paul Lamott and Catherine O'Hara in the credits as well. And uh, yeah, that's very cool. Scott, uh, S, X and Pearl were both very good. I wasn't aware that another one was coming out. Nice. Petrie Lambella. Lampella, I consider myself a Ty West fan and was absolutely thrilled to see his return to movies after all these years. The Innkeepers is still my personal favorite that I watch every couple years, but Pearl went right up there, and I loved X2. Haven't seen The Roost. Is there even a DVD available for that? By the way, I made a yard for my cats with a simple gardening fence. Um, the trick was to install it that it's loose. They don't want to climb it It's when it's wobbly. Um, yeah, uh, 
There is a DVD of the Roost, but just the DVD. No Blu-ray in the statesides. There might be one overseas. Travis Linscombe, I got the Juwan collection and the Black Christmas 4K as well. I only seen Juwan, The Grudge, and Juwan, The Grudge 2. So I'm very excited to see the original two uh, TV films. The two that I've seen are very creepy, really effective scares. I'm sorry about the Amazon bullshit. That's very annoying and more reason to hate an evil corporation. It's really nothing to them, so they should be all over fixing problems like that. I try not to get many Blu-rays from them, but with certain products, it's hard not to use them. Plus, Prime has good selection of 70s genre films that I really wish I'd cut ties with them. I feel exactly the same. Nick Moore, both Pearl and uh, X were excellent films. I'm glad you enjoyed them. I can't wait for part three. Ty West seems to be on a roll. Yay for him, I guess. Questions one, do you still watch horror during Christmas holidays or do you watch cutesy stuff? I watch horror. I watch whatever I want. Any holiday traditions you care to share? I guess not really. I mean, I go to certain places. That's about it. Um... As we're nostalgic, wait. As we're in the nostalgia season, which flicks handle their nostalgia well, and which ones really don't? Um, I, you know, nostalgia is a very subjective thing. So the ones that ha- handled it well is all up to you. As a kid, you know, I mean, like some of the stuff like Monster Squad still lands for me, and other stuff doesn't. Like, you know, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles never really lands for me anymore. Part two, I mean. So like, I would say that when I was even eighteen, I couldn't watch that one. But stuff like Monster Squad and Little Monsters really hits home with me. Um, in other news, The Lost is finally getting a decent Blu-ray from Ronin Flicks. Love that movie. A great Jack Ketchum book and um, movie adaptation. Finally, Merry Christmas, Dave, and may all your dreams come true in 2023. I sure hope so. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone. Let's hop into this update. I really feel like doing the Patreon drawing like without doing it here. Like, you know, I'll do this here, and then I'll hop into the update. What do we got here? I'm going to draw five names out. Again, if you have not been drawn out in the last three times or four times, let me know. What do I got here? We got three up top. We got Liver Leaf by Jim Carroll. Now, this sounds like an interesting film for sure. Um, Japanese film, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, Tom Brooker, the um, the triloquist. Now, I think that was a, a Dimension Extreme film, which I have on DVD. That's his three. And basically, oh, Dan the Cameraman. Animal plays a sports or classic sports movie not seen. Okay. Um, I guess I'm not watching Air Bud, but I'm definitely going to find a classic sports movie I haven't seen. I haven't seen Slapshot. Maybe I should do that one or Rollerball. Maybe I'll do Rollerball. I want to see Rollerball for years. And then we have this one here. Oh, P- Petrie Lampella. Um, so you give me another one, Petrie, because I've already cu- covered Let's Scare Jessica to Death. So you shoot me a message ASAP and let me know which one you want me to cover instead of Let's Scare Jessica to Death because I've already covered that one. Um, so this one here, we have David Scott, Headhunters 2011, and I believe that's the boys that did the raid involved, if I'm not wrong, and, um, what is it, uh, The Night Comes for Us, so that's the five I got out, uh, let's hop into this update. Okay, here we go, we got some of the stuff from the, uh, partner label from Vinegar Syndrome that showed up, we got Solomon King, and I believe this is Canadian International, or this is, um, what is it, uh, Decagog, I can't always mix up all the partner labels now, there's just so many of them, but anyways, this looked like a lot of fun. Solomon King, black exploitation film. For sure, I'm going to check this out. Great cover art. His his friends called him King. His enemies called him Tough. That's kind of a shitty tagline, I'm going to be honest. It's not terrible, but it's not great either, right? Then we have uh, Dam Selvis. Dam Sel, like damsels, but Dam Dam. Damsel Elvis, daughter of Helvis, whatever, man. This sounds freaking weird. This is a Saturn's Core. Um, Saturn's Core puts out the weirdest shit sometimes, but I really like what they're doing. Uh, yeah, look at that creature there. This looks hilarious. I don't know this movie. Like, I don't know what the fuck this is, so I definitely just had to have it. Looks super bizarre. Then we have, what is it here? The Rainbow Boys, and this is the Canadian one here. Any Pleasance movie, I love Donald Pleasance, so I definitely picked this one up. 
Um, yeah. Who doesn't like Donald Pleasance? Looks super interesting. 50th anniversary edition. Yeah. Like, so I grabbed like five. You know, you can't buy all the partner label stuff. Now it's getting like to the point where you're like, oh, you got to be a little picky. Um, then we have a uh, little picky as they pull up Death Magic by Culture Shock. Like, you got to be picky. Now I'm getting Death Magic. Look at this. But this looks like a blast. I remember this was floating around on VHS a while ago. There's a bunch of them on eBay. And uh, yeah, this looks like gory, goofy, weird fun. Um, Culture Shock always has, always delivers the goods for me. And it's weird. Like all the movies I have, I always pop in a Culture Shock for some reason. I'm like, I just kind of want to check out what the hell this thing's all about. So then we have the Black Crystal. I think this is, is this the Eggfa for the this time? Yeah, this looks super bizarre. Love that cover art. Tunskin made film, poised for success. Yeah, Eggfa's pretty cool. Got lots of bizarre titles. I don't pick up everything. You know, I kind of gravitate more towards the horror and exploitation. Some of the stuff I like, Bat Pussy, I have, but I would, I definitely not going to grab that one. Um, then what do we have? We got some Severin stuff here from seven of the eight bundles showed up. Sex is Crazy, the Jess Franco film. Gotta love Jess Franco. One of Franco's most personal and entertaining films. Very cool. Looks bizarre, as Jess Franco often is. And this one, we have uh, Gerard Depardieu, The Dogs. And I've heard about this movie before, so I'm glad to see this one get a release. This is kind of like a, a rare film, I think, you know, for me, to, for them to get released. It's very cool. Yeah, this looks awesome. Definitely going to be checking this one out. Can't wait. Then we have I Miss You, Hugs and Kisses, which I have seen. This is a video nasty. This is the first freaking real release of this movie. One of the rarest video nasties, a.k.a. I Hate Your Guts. So, yeah, um, this one has a lot of features on there, too. There's, I think there's, like, a couple bonus movies, which is very cool. Yeah, too, a uh, recommendation for Mercy. So it's got a whole other film on there by the director. And that's the classic cover art there. Now, this movie feels like a Lifetime movie at times, like a well-made Lifetime. And I remember one graphic violent scene in there. So, yeah. And then we have uh, Blood on Melly's Moon. And this is a Luigi Cazzi uh, film, if I'm not mistaken. And it's it's more modern, which is absolutely crazy. And it's an intervision. So, yeah, this looks weird. Luigi Cazzi did a lot of films. Some some I really enjoy, like the Black Cat and stuff. And, you know, Paganini Horror has its moments that I enjoy. So then we have another Severn up here, The Devil's Game. Now, this is a TV series. And it was Mario Bava's technically the last thing he directed, which I did not know. I, would, I assumed that was Shock from 1977, but I was wrong. So, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff on here, uh, a series on here, six episodes, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, Mario Bava's has been remastered, I believe, uh, from the original elements, I'm not mistaken, or something along those lines. Then we have The Five Days with 4K, which is pretty much a Dario Gento film that never was released anywhere in the States, if anywhere, hell, for that matter. This is his, like, non-horror thriller film, like his only one, really? And, uh, yeah, this is like a, a comedy, so very cool. Um, and this is just something that I never thought would ever get a release, and it's just you gotta, you know, have, fill in those, like, those like blank spaces those missing pieces in someone's career is very interesting this was made after you know the animal trilogy and it didn't do very well so after that he went back with deep red and we have you know one of the most iconic popular jellies of all time then we have four flies on gray velvet which is kind of the crown jewel of this uh this set um of course action mutante was postponed but it is coming free of charge they'll send it but four flies on gray velvet is a really good uh, mimsy farmer really good one here really great jelly um underrated i would say you know um i tend to Bird with the Crystal Plumage kind of takes all the attention, but this one is great as well. And so is Cat of Nine Tails, but I think this one, you know, there's a lot of cool things about here, and Minzy Farmer is fucking excellent in it. So yeah, this is a 4K. It's got a bunch of shit in there. Look at all that stuff. One, two, three discs. Gotta love that. And a soundtrack, so it's four discs. I know it's quite pricey, but it is what it is. 
Then we have, of course, from Vestron Video, the Silent Night, Deadly Night Collection. It was a great price for Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, 4, and 5. Uh, Lionsgate here, you got fucking Bill Mosley, Clint Howard, and Mickey Rooney on the cover art. You can't beat that. So, yeah, and these got special features on there, if I'm not mistaken, for the price. Keep it coming, Vestron. You're killing it. Um, then we have Silent Night, which is the basic kind of remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night. This is the only one I didn't have on Blu-ray after picking that up, so I was like, screw it for the price. I kind of want to rewatch this movie. I had the DVD. I remember being kind of fun, kind of stupid. It is what it is. I'm sure I've seen worse. I'm sure I'll like it. Um, then we have some more Severns I got from the Target Buy 2 Get One. Born to Fight. This is a Bruno Mattei. Cheap, you know, action. Probably made in the Philippines. You gotta love Bruno Mattei. It is what it is. Did Bruno Mattei do this or Claudio Fagazzo do this? I'm sure they both were involved. It's a Vincent Dawn, so we all know that's Bruno Mattei, Born to Fight. Then, of course, what is Born to Fight without Cop Game? Gotta have that. Gotta love Cop Game. These cover arts are great, by the way. Probably better than the movie. But these are fun, man. These really cheap movies like this that are just absurd and crazy and lots of big stunts. Very dangerous, very bizarre. Then we have Double Target, of course, is the last of the trio here. This cover art's badass. Look at there's a shark, there's a sub, there's a fucking bazooka, there's a helicopter, man. Boy, um, Donald Pleasant. I watched the trailer to this, and it was just, like, head-scratching. That's the update. Pretty big update. Again, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, happy Hanukkah, all that jazz, happy New Year. I love you guys. Take care. Big update. And uh, back to the video. Okay, guys. Thank you very much for watching. And as always, have a good one. Me. Mm.